0: You're listening to the NFL on TuneIn. It's No Huddle with Brian Weber and Cordell Stewart. Chester Pitts, former Texan, who's down in the uh, Texas area, down in Houston, who's dealing with Hurricane Harvey. Uh, Chester, thanks for joining us.
1: How you guys doing today, man? You, I, I did not know. You and Nick had your own radio show. That is man. awesome,
0: <laughs> man. I don't know if we have our own show, but they they let us drive for a little bit, so we gonna try not to crash this thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> hey, hey,
1: hey, hey, trust me, bro, It's Just like the NFL, like
0: <laughs>
1: every day they're looking to replace you. I, I get it. I understand it. <laughs> Chester, we
0: uh, talk talk a little bit about what's going on uh, with you first. Uh, what do you have going on? Uh, and also, if you can, uh, we want to dive into how the Texans and the community, uh, how they're holding on down there uh, with the with the aftermath of Hurricane Harvey.
1: Well, you know what? I'll, I'll, I'll actually do it in reverse from the way sure. you asked it. Sure. Um, what? I, obviously, if you're looking at the news, you know what's going on in Houston and really the the surrounding counties and, and, and cities around Houston. You know, Harvey is. Harvey is a bigger monster and a and a, and a grown a man that we never expected. They, they, no one saw this amount of water coming in that amount of time. Wow! Just for 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 from a stat to kind of wrap your head around things. The the state of Washington and Seattle we know is a pretty rainy place, right? Yes. Last year they had one of their highest if not the highest amount of rainfall they've ever had, and it was right around 49 feet of rain. Mm. Well, we just did that in three days. Mm. That's how much rain is concentrated in a landmass that is equivalent to the state of Delaware. That's how big Houston and surrounding counties are. It's about the same size as Delaware. Delaware. So that's what you got to kind of paint the picture around, understand just how much water is here. Now, the first day or two, which have been Friday and Saturday, when the storm hit, there were, you know, there were some tornadoes that came down, and there were a couple sections in neighborhoods that are less than five minutes away from me that had their roofs torn off by the the quick-dropping tornadoes. And a lot of people don't know that about, you know, tropical storms and hurricanes, it's There is a big constant flow, and it's a big monster that sweeps through and comes through. But inside of that, you have these tiny tornadoes that just come out of nowhere. They drop for 10 or 20 seconds, and they're right back out of there. And it's just long enough to cause, in a small amount of area, a ton of damage. Now, those houses obviously were done for. When a roof comes off of a house, that amount of water comes in. You're going to have pink insulation all over the house, and the house is ruined. But, a lot, but, but the damage that's happening here is because Houston is so flat, you can only run off and pump off so much water with so much speed. Mm. And the problem is when it continues to come and continues to come and continues to come, you fill up all your lakes, all your reservoirs, all your bayous, the dams are at capacity, and now what do you have to do? You actually have to continue to flow that water off, No matter what's on the other side of what, you know, you have to flow the water off Mm -hmm. because it's not the entire dam can give. If the dam gives, you have no control of where the water goes, at least if you run the water off and in that direction. Granted, yes, those people and those homes are going to flood, but those homes already usually have flooded because of the amount of water that has come in. And again, you can control where it goes it may not be what you want to happen. You, you, I, I can see the linebacker coming down the hole to meet me and hit me, but at least I can see him coming and I know he's going to hit me and I can brace myself for it as opposed to getting hit from the side of the head on a hit that I cannot see. And that is the difference between continuing to have to run the water off the dam and running the risk of the dam being at capacity and then it actually just giving way. So there is just... So much happening, and that has happened in the city, so then you go to the next step because now, where there are, there are areas and there are pockets, and there are people that are just fine there are some people there are, there are a lot of people that did not flood at all, but the people that did flood, how do you get them out of their homes because people aren't realizing we 're talking you know we 're not talking about two inches or three inches of water or water coming up on someone 's home. No, no, there are blocks and neighborhoods, 500 homes, 1,000 homes at a click, that have six, seven, eight feet of water in the house. Mm. There were sections of the freeway, and I mean Interstate 10 freeway, that you cannot tell where the center divider is because the water is so high across it that it's just a big lake. Like right. that's how much water people are dealing with in the and these folks in this town, it is amazing to see what neighbors have done for neighbors and what people are doing for people. On top of, you know, you know, FEMA and the government and the politicians. You know, Mayor Turner's been up there in front of their cameras, in front of this thing like you wouldn't believe, you know. Most politicians go tuck their tails and go hide and kinda of just wait for it all to come over. Try to sneak in a photo op where where the mayor of Houston has been out there out in front, and he made he he probably made one of the smartest decisions that you will that it will go down in history by not telling everyone to evacuate. This water came in so heavy and so fast that if we look at the stats of when it flooded uh, back in, I want to say '08, I believe that was Ike, or one before that was. uh, And Houston's dealt with a lot of them. But I know there was one that we had to evacuate. I can't think of his name, but right now we had to evacuate. And we left early. So we made it to – we went to Austin, and a normal two- to three-hour drive to get to Austin took us about four-and-a-half hours. Where the people that left late, it took them between 15 and 20 hours to make a three-hour drive because the traffic was so bad and there were so many people – Trying to evacuate at one time, well those highways are the highways that I'm talking about that had ten and fifteen feet of water on the highway. What do you think happens to a highway or people that are on a highway that have twenty feet of water coming to the to freeway? Every one of those people die and drown it. He made that call to say, "Stay, stay, stay, as opposed to go, 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 and it saved. It saved thousands of lives by doing that, which was, again, which was huge. But let's talk about the important stuff, and let's talk about the, the, the part of this deal where we're now talking about beginning to recover, and you're, you're seeing that hashtag Houston Strong kind of flow throughout the city, and it holds water. I'm, I'm talking about regular citizens in their big boy trucks pulling shallow, shallow boats into areas and rescuing people left and right from these homes that have flooded and getting them to shelters just i mean like right along with with FEMA right along with the the surrounding counties right around right along with the Army Corps of Engineers and everyone that's out there they, they, there aren't enough boats you know just kind of stored away by the government these are people's personal boats sea dues, you name it you saw regular citizens that are absolute heroes out there working to save lives of people that were in and dealing with this flood. And that was, if there was anything that kind of was the the silver lining or reminder that in very trying times in the United States of America, that people, the best of humanity came out in people because of this storm and because of the hard times and that's what just was for me just kind of floored, blew me away and just I mean yesterday we you know, down at the back of the neighborhood I live I live in I live next door to Siena and Siena was a mandatory evacuation neighborhood. But I'm next to it and I'm outside of the 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 distance from my house to where the main brazos is is far enough away that they're not worried about me flooding. So I, right. so I didn't have to evacuate and I was able to stay and I've been very lucky and very blessed. I haven't had any flooding or I've been very lucky. Nothing's gone wrong. We just have we've had we've had our food and we've been fine. We've had power. It's been a very lucky situation. But the next door, the the neighborhood next to me they're very worried about the levee's that are at the back of the property and yesterday
0: yeah.
1: regular citizens are all out there with trucks, shovels Sand, sandbags, and we're building a wall to help protect the levee. It was unbelievable. I mean, and these are just regular old people that can get out of their homes. That, I mean, kids. I mean, when I say kids, I mean fifteen, sixteen, twenty-year-olds. You know, young kids riding up on their four-wheelers in the neighborhood. How can we help? And everybody jumps in the truck, and and that that's kind of the the response and the attitude, and just what's been so amazing out here. So. You know, these first responders, the people, I mean, just dealing with very, very trying times. It's been beautiful to see the best come out of people. And I just, man, oh, man, oh, man, it's been crazy.
2: Chester, Nick Ferguson here. Now, we've seen the pictures. We've seen the images on, on social media with uh, the devastation and the people helping uh, one another. It is great to see as an American. That the city of Houston is pretty much uh, setting the tone, especially in this uh, interpolating times that we find ourselves in. But I was I remember being there in Houston in '08 as a member of the Texans, and we we, ha- we had I believe it was Ike that came through, and it was Ike. Okay, yeah, thank you, yeah.
1: man. I'm, I'm, I'm,
2: yes, it's so many of them. Yeah, so many. But but we Ike came through, but it was entirely different than what Harvey has brought in with the devastation. But there's still an element as far as being an NFL player in an NFL organization and trying to get back to normal, if we can say that at this time. But, you know, talk to to me about how you dealt with it at that time in 08 and how this Houston Texans team now collectively are now trying to deal with that and get back to normal.
1: Yeah, no, so I remember – So I remember it was Ike, and I remember kind of what went on during Ike. And I I want to say it might have been the second or third week of the season. And, you know, I'm a a California kid. I would never, never dealt with anything like this before, and I didn't really know what was to come. But I knew that the storm hit and my roof held up, which I was very thankful and very happy about. And then I just remember – trying to figure out what we were going to do for the game. Because, remember, the roof got torn up at the stadium. You know, here at the house, we, you know, we didn't have power. And it was just trying to figure it all out. And then I remember when the league came down and they changed the week from the game week and they, and they made it the bye week. And I remember saying to myself, man, this is the worst <laughs> bye week in the history of bye weeks. For this to happen during my bye week, But I I remember just kind of the the city coming together in the same way, but just as, 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 you know, preparing and and knowing at the end of the day we we got a job to do, we got a responsibility to do. And there was one thing that was what was great about playing ball and playing football was not that it was more important or less important than anything else. It was just the fact that the value of the game and the value of sport – helped create and further influence people to understand how quickly we could get back to normalcy. How quickly we could get back to things being like normal. And football was a fantastic conduit for that to happen. And that's really kind of the same thing that I expect from the Texans, you know, this go round. I'm I'm really happy for them that it's you know, that it's happening the last week of the preseason, as opposed to what's happening during the season, you know, guys coming off a of training camp and the timing of it, you know, is great for their bodies to heal up and get ready for a very long season. But ultimately, it's you know, it's it, it, it's a it's a job, and we got a responsibility. And we got we get to go out there and we got to do our best. But it, it was just that 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 one piece of it where it reminded what normalcy was, and that was what everyone was striving to get back to because with so much devastation going on around you, where, where do you flip the switch and say, okay, the bad is done. Now it's time for the good to happen again. Where do you trigger that switch? And and sport and football was a great place for that switch to kind of take place.
0: Uh, I can't imagine what you guys are going through, man. I, I feel like it's, it's, it's one of those things is that, you know, it, <laughs> Sometimes hard times bring you together, uh, and and it's sad that it takes hard times for communities to really gel together. But uh, where I'm at, man, on the media, it sounds like Houston has been able to stand up in a big way and and really rally behind each other. Uh, We talk about the Houston Texans. We talk about J.J. Watt and what he's been able to do as far as raising money. Has there been other people uh, on the team that have stepped out and tried to collect money uh, to help these people as well? Well,
1: uh, you know, J.J. Watt's a – a megastar and a superstar, and that's you know that's kind of the the way things work out sometimes. Where it it may be and only seems like it's one guy, but I have had multiple conversations with a lot of guys on the team who have who are volunteering, who are who are actually donating money themselves as well. Um, I know Whitney Merciless is doing some work. I know Jonathan Joseph, Kareem Jackson, Brian Cushing with the U.S. So I mean there have been I mean countless number of guys like the. Like the guys on the Houston Texans, and I don't mean this as disrespect to anybody else, but the players in general that play for the Texans have to squeak when they walk more so than the normal football player. That now, that why is, is that? Expected. What does that mean? That 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 is expected of the men that when when Bob McNair signs up a player on that team, like a checkered past and 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 a history of having whatever, those are just kind of – that's just not how he wrote. That's how he chooses not to have his player. He would rather have – if you had two guys and one had a rating of 95 and one had a rating of 100 and the 95 squeaked and the 100 did not squeak, he's going to take the guy with the 95 just because of how he is. So that that type of guy or that type of human being – is what we expect from in this city and what we expect from from the players and that's exactly what we have gotten and that's not to say that someone with a checker pass can't turn it around that's not to say someone with a checker pass can't do right like Nick just, just, <laughs> just, by, just by nature or or just by the, the the history of that human being that history plays a factor on becoming a Texan and, and usually your history determines who you are as a, or as a big chunk of who you are. And, and, and frankly, because of that, the guys that are involved on this team, it does not surprise me how quickly they help. It does not quick. does not surprise me how quickly they respond and how quickly they're willing to, you know, put their money out to put their time out to put their efforts out just because that's the kind of guys that they were or have been, you know, all their lives.
2: But Chester, you, you talk about expectations. Uh, last year, uh, the team, you know, 9-7, uh, get a chance to get in the playoffs, uh, lose to Kansas City. Uh, J.J. Watt suffering his back injury, but in that time, uh, Jadavian Clowney, who some consider to be a-, a bust because he didn't really uh, show up and show out in his first couple of years with the team. Now, he was able to get that extra time and really broadcast and show everyone, you know, he can actually play this game of football just like he did at South Carolina. But now, with a healthy J.J. Watts, Jadavian Clowney, how good can this Houston Texans defense really be?
1: Well, I mean, let's just I mean, call it you call it duck and duck. I mean, last year they were the number one defense in the NFL without the number one player on the defensive side of football playing with the team for the majority of the season. If the coaches figure out a way to bring J.J. Watt back into the fold of things and obviously turn him loose because he's that capable or that quality of a player, but make sure that it's in sync with the way that defense is played and the way that defense is handled, I mean, a defense can be, it can be absolutely ridiculous. I mean, you, I'm, I'm telling you as a former offensive lineman, if I break the huddle and a healthy J.J. Watt's on the field – and a healthy Jadeveon Clowney is on the field, and they're both playing on the D-line at the same time, we got to make a decision. Who <laughs> are we going to double? And if we're going to double both of them, that now requires us to have a tight end that blocks. And if a, tight end is in, if a tight end is blocking to assist or help with the offensive line, that's one less guy that's out there to go catch passes, to go make plays. So that has a very limiting effect. On the way, and offense, you know, calls plays and figure, you know, figures out plays and tries to move the ball down the field. Chester, uh, I'm, I'm before, telling you, it could be tough living now.
0: Just, just, <laughs> Chester, it Bruce. sounds like it, right? You make you make you causing nightmares on uh, on air. Uh, question: I before you got on, I looked you up, man, and uh, I was like, man, you know what's going on with Big Chester? Uh, talk about your time on an Amazing Race. How about that? <laughs> With Ephraim uh, Salaam. This, <laughs> right.
1: very, look, I will I will be as frank as I can be, but I'm going to still be somewhat nice. Keep it 100. Uh, that would have been something that would have been amazingly fun and awesome to do before I was a washed-up NFL there. (laughs) (laughs) That show requires cartilage. It requires... Wait, did you say
2: cartilage? Cartilage that you no longer have.
1: I was without trying to do that show, so I was in a great, great deal of pain, and when I got eliminated on the inside, I smiled
0: at because I am going to go
1: sit my big ass down because I don't know what in the hell I was thinking... Letting even talk me into attempting to try to do that crazy show. Like, what? look, if you look, you're 170 pounds and and, and you're young and sprightly and you you healthy. Man, I'm telling you, we would have had a blast.
2: Come on, but, Chester, that's not the but, Chester but, piss that but, I know. Well, he doesn't NFL quit
1: career. We'll <laughs> pose NFL career and. Due for a couple of surgeries? Yeah, that probably wasn't the greatest timing on that one. I don't know, I don't know who the heck made that decision or said, let's go for this one. <laughs> so, but no, but now I will tell you this, the cast, the crew, the behind the scenes, I'm talking excellent, wonderful people. Very, very smart group. Did you know the guy that created that show was actually the guy that created Cops? Real I did know that, like yes, that. I, was, I did. Yep. Yeah, he yeah, he he was the guy. So if you now take a step back and you kinda of close your eyes and you think about the way the show is filmed in Amazing Race, it's exactly how Cops was when it first started. And this guy's made a ton of money between <laughs> Cops and Amazing Race. So no but that but yeah, I, I shouldn't have done that.
2: Well you know what? Okay. Chester Pitts just kind of, you know, put cops. And Amazing Race in the same sentence. And I have to go back and watch Amazing Race some episodes to see the filming to see if it's kind of re- resembles that of cops. Because all I remember, cops was in Miami a lot where I'm from. And all I remember is seeing the cops run with what appeared to be those cameras on their shoulders running around. That, that's, only, that's my fondest memories of cops.
1: Well, later, that, that's how it was in the beginning. But then he got smart and said, "I need to send camera crews because the cameras, <laughs> like the body style or body type cameras, they yeah. bounce around, they jar too much when you're running. So you need somebody that can actually run with a smoother click. Like they're running. Cops, cops aren't running to give you a good shot. Cops are running to go catch a criminal. <laughs> Where a cameraman can film for TV running behind the cops because he's he's doing it." with the emphasis on having a good shot for TV. And that's what they were. The, they, they mastered that and perfected that. And that's why the realism of Amazing Race is so high because it's in it. It's just the same path that everybody else is going, but obviously with a little bit more control. And a cameraman with a 50-pound camera on his shoulder is crazy.
0: <laughs> Justin, quickly uh, before we let you go, uh you you seem like a man with a, a many talents and functions. Uh, talk about this instrument and what is it called that you still play? <laughs> so, give us some. You're talking about that oboe, huh? Do, yeah.
2: <laughs> do you have it? Do, do you have it standing by? Can Can you kind are of give wa- us a couple are of you chords? you walking
0: around Houston cheering up the people with the oboe?
1: Dang, that will be. Funny if I'm talking, <laughs> Blat, look, driving around town, put the top down and blasting sounds from the oboe. Um, that oboe. Yeah, no, that has uh, that that ship is sailed. You know, right now, <laughs> my, my NFL career and my oboe playing abilities are on the same boat out on the island together because they're they're, they're 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 done. Um, well, explain to people was, what an oboe is and, it was,
0: and, and, and characterize it.
1: Well I mean, I mean the the oboe it's a, it's a member of the woodwind family. It's a double reed <laughs> instrument. It is on the uh, it's on the upper end of instruments and difficulty level to play and play well. Uh it is not as sexy and soulful as the Spanish uh, guitar. Saxophone right. but it, and it's not as easy to play as your piccolos and your flutes, it's kind of the in betweener. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, it was actually the center. Do you remember? Do you remember the? You remember the commercial from the Super Bowl? Which one? Oh, so the two two thousand eight Super Bowl.
0: Well, I was the playing NFL that NFL
1: Super ad. It was the actual NFL Super ad. It was the, you know their commercial, their production. And that was when they went around the entire, went around to every single team, and you had to climb into the back of this big old trailer, and that trailer had a camera, and you told your story, and whatever your story yep. was, it didn't matter. But you you told a story about the NFL and the way where you got in the league, something that happened in the NFL, but it was just a, a cool story that tied in you and or another buddy in the NFL, and. It came down to my year came down between uh, Well, it was actually Ephraim's story about me because he discovered me like, you know, like I was uh, hidden, <laughs> some hidden gold. You know, he discovered <laughs> me and, back in groceries at the grocery store, and he convinced me to come out and play football. But we almost lost to Matt Hasselbeck's story, and Matt Hasselbeck's story was pretty funny, too. Um, you you gotta go look it up. I, I know you guys will have enough time to talk about it on the air. But it was it was really cool. But if you type in uh Chester Pitts and NFL Super Ad, you'll see quite frankly, uh one of the best commercials ever put together and <laughs> top five top five NFL commercials by far, but I'm talking about in the history of commercials, this thing is like in the top ten. I'm just saying well, not not because well, I'm in it but because
0: it was that great. Well, Chester, we thank you for coming on, man. I know me and Nick, uh, from the bottom of my heart, we're praying for everybody down in Houston and everybody that's trying to give relief to all those families that are are flat-out devastated by this. Um, We pray that the Texans, you know, they they rally back for us. They already kind of made a stand this season for the people of Houston, and uh, I know you would continue to fight and uh, try to get Houston back on its feet. So we thank you for coming on, and uh, we appreciate you.
1: No, no. I, I appreciate you guys for coming on. I almost before I get out of here, I just got to give a, a nice shout out to the NFL Legends community, and the former players of Houston, who have also stepped up in a major way, making an impact in this town to help clean up, to help revitalize. Um, uh, there's a there's a chain of emails going on right now. Um, I think almost all the guys have checked in and said they were good. But a lot of guys are pitching in, helping uh, in the cleanup efforts right now. So the NFL Legends community, we've got to give them a big shout-out as well.
0: Awesome, man. Thanks for coming on. Appreciate you. Big Pits! You guys have a great one. Bye-bye. You've been listening to No Huddle with Brian Weber and former Steelers quarterback Cordell Slash Stewart. Live on the NFL on Tune.
2: 20, 15, 10, 5, touchdown!
0: The National Football League is on. Tune in.